This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Grace Brothers Blamange. Are you tired of savories and smoked salmon? Does the combination of almond paste and milk sound tempting? Is the annoying floor worker pursuing you with his blow tickler at the Christmas party? Then you might love Grace Brothers Blamange. Now available in ivory, paper, and eggshell. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free! Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello, Gladys. Hello, Unanimous. Just her saying hello. Hello. <laughs> hello, Mr. Jeff. Hello, Unanimous uh, listeners. How are you doing this evening, Mr. Brandon? Ah, uh, I'm happy. I'm good. Uh, vaccines are flowing. Um, the cherry blossoms are blo- blooming all around. The little birds are tweeting and, well, people are tweeting on Twitter and the chirping <laughs> is happening, you know. You know what I mean. I'm well. How are you is the long answer. I'm doing okay. You know, the days are definitely getting longer. Uh, it's still sunlight out when we're recording. Yeah, um, that was nice. Vac- vaccines are abundant. Um, so, you know, there f- there's a feeling of hope in the air. Uh, and I'm hoping that's just not hay fever. Um, but, yeah, I think that we're... <laughs> it's probably um, a little both. <laughs> I think that uh, we are getting to a good place. We're not quite there yet. Uh, so please, everyone, please keep wearing your mask, washing your hands, remembering that Black Lives Matter. Black Lives uh, Matter. And if you can, please register for a vaccine. Uh, they're opening up to most people over the age of 16 in a lot of states. So, um, you know, get on that app and keep hitting refresh. And let me just say something to the states that have revoked all mask <laughs> wearing. Okay, Arkansas, thank you. So today, Arkansas um, released... That's what you have to say about Arkansas? Well, I have lots of things to say about Arkansas. Okay, I was it's gonna a say. beautiful place. The government of Arkansas is not to my delight. They, uh, they reduced the vaccine to 16. 16 years of age. That's great. Okay. Thumbs up for But they Arkansas. also said no one has to wear a mask ever, ever anymore. So it's sort of like you're on your own. Get a vaccine. But you can, you know, you, beware because there's going to be lots of people's breath all around you. And didn't they also recently say that trans people can't play sports? And LGBT people don't have to be seen by a doctor if the doctor doesn't like them and all these things. So... <sighs> Yeah. Uh, Arkansas, I Arkansas. shake my fist at you. Yeah, and there's a lot of other places, but a lot of other places are doing wonderful things too. But it just pissed me off about the whole vaccine. No. Great, okay, they're doing 16 year olds and up, but also you don't have to wear masks anymore. Come on, so wear your mask, people. That's all. The end. You know who else is doing 16 year olds? Matt Gatz, apparently. <laughs> oh, that's right. We were just talking about that. Breaking so, news, know, just as we were uh, getting set, getting ready to record. Yeah, he's like a notoriously anti-gay, super conservative Republican. And, you know, there are some lovely Republicans out there. I'm not anti-Republican, but when you try to target me and my community and say we're all horrible and then you've got like a kid girlfriend and I don't know, whatever. No. Crazy times. But, hey, at least we have a lovely episode of Are You Being Served to talk about. And I have to say the people, the unanimous, loved the episode um, last time uh, with our guest host, Mr. Kyle. Thanks a lot, Kyle. And uh, Thank Punch you, and Kyle. Judy. Who doesn't love a little bit, bit of puppetry? 
<laughs> I know I do. Well, I think we could ask some of our new Facebook fans, Albert, Mitchell, Risha, Gregory, Stephen, Gary, and uh, two of my personal friends, Zach and Hillary. Uh, thank you for joining the Unanimous and Hillary listening to Hillary from Winchester. Us. <laughs> no, not, oh. not not quite. Um, but do you know who else is a fan of ours? I do. <gasps> Can I break the news? It's so exciting. Do 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 do. do. Um, so we had a lovely interaction, and we hope that this person, um, dare I say, international celebrity, I think, um, uh-huh. ladies and gentlemen, Ms. Fleur Bennett from the lauded Are You Being Served Again stroke Grace and Favor series. She played Mavis Moulterd, um, the caretaker's daughter that young Mr. Grace bequeathed to the Are You Being Served staff, of course, which, what could be more no- normal? Um, but she is a fabulous actress from the UK, and we all know her as Mavis, and she liked our tweet where we said, it was like the teaser about the agent. I think it said something like, are you... Youth and vitality. Do you have youth and vitality and experience and youth? Then like this tweet. And she liked it. So thank you. So hopefully, Ms. Bennett, you're a listener. And uh, I will also say uh, to the unanimous, do not worry. We will get to the Are You Being Served Again series. We're doing it in order. So it's going to be... Months and months from now, but we'll get to yeah, it. Yeah, so probably sometime in the fall, after we get through all 10 series of All You Being Served. Yeah. And yeah. we'll probably do a couple of special episodes in between. Like, we might mm-hmm, do sure. the American pilot, for example. Uh, come fall, we will uh, get into Are You Being Served Again, Stroke of Grace and Favor. And hopefully we can extol the virtues of one Ms. Bennett and her acting prowess on the series. Yeah, it's it's really fun because when you were when when we were both you know younger kids and a lot of listeners on the show on the podcast they remember Are You Being Served from the '90s when it was being you know broadcast on PBS in the states and then of course right along with that the sudden upsurge of popularity of Are You Being Served they got the old crew back together and added uh, uh, Flora Bennett and some other actors and made this sequel TV show which was like watching Are You Being Served. But it was like a, a modern show at the time, like 1992, I think. Um, right. It was really cool. So, I mean, a lot of people have been contacting the show like, please do Are You Being Served Again? So we will. But it'll be a lot of fun to, uh, to, to look over those things and see uh, Floor Bennett acting all those fabulous parts. So thanks for the like. But until then, you are stuck with us talking about the original recipe series. <laughs> And tonight we're delving into Series 8, Episode 2, A Personal Problem. And this originally premiered on April 16th, 1981. Okay. And that week in the news was the maiden voyage of the Space Shuttle Columbia launched. Um, I think it was just a test launch because it returned to Earth like three or four days later. I don't think it was – I don't think it was – there was any staff on there. Mm -hmm. It didn't go anywhere except up to the atmosphere and back. Um, and then, you know, obviously, we all know that the Columbia met a very um, sad fate uh, several years ago, about 10 years ago, I think. But Yeah. Well, what's the um, random nerd um, <laughs> reference here? What was the name of the space shuttle prior to Columbia that never actually went into space? Ooh, uh, American one? An American shuttle? Uh, b- b- it both b- b- it boldly did not go into space as the hint. where 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 some men had gone before. Yeah, um, I have no idea. 
Oh, come on. It's the Enterprise. <laughs> of course Jeff wouldn't get it. As it Unanimous, go... I'm rolling my eyes. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, also that week in the news was the final performance of the TV show Soap, uh, which was the parody of soap operas in a mm-hmm. primetime sitcom. Um, I wonder if there's a soap podcast. Ooh, that's interesting. So Soap was a cool TV show. I never, I didn't really honestly watch it. I know it was kind of like Billy Crystal became famous yep, on it. it was and it one had of his like vehicles. A, I think it had Judith Light on it, which she's fabulous. We all love her. Um, she played the mom on Who's the Boss? Judith Light. Right. Um, I don't, was she on Soap? Maybe not. We'll get the Soap podcast like angry right. tweeting at us. <laughs> but um, it was also, and I think Billy Crystal's character on the show was gay. That's right. Billy Crystal played the gay character on there. And it was kind of a big um, deal, 1981, you know? Right. Um, well, yeah, because it had been around since the 70s. It closed in 1981. Um, and he famously had a child on the show. His oh, character had a child. That. Yeah. Uh, within a, he had an affair with a woman that resulted in a child. And he ended up, I believe he was the one raising the child. Oh, wow. Um, cool. So, yeah, pretty pretty groundbreaking for a sitcom that's a parody of over-the-top <laughs> so soap opera. operas. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So we, All right. you know, we, we don't have a tolerance for anything over-the-top because we watch Are You Being Served, which yeah, is a like very, very mundane, straight droll. and narrow. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so speaking of the show, what, do we, what happens when we hit the play button on our uh, brick box? So Mr. Spooner is late arriving to the store and mm-hmm. continuing in the great tradition of Mr. Lucas, he's got some dog-ate-my-homework excuses for why is he's well late. His spirit well with us. Yes. Right? Um, his alarm clock didn't go off, go off. The ticket collectors were going slow, and there was a power cut on the underground. I feel like we've heard these kinds of excuses before. I kind of wish um, he would have said something about my poor old deaf mother, but that was right, too, or made you up, know, Mr. Lucas. Or made up another family member. Or my uncle to, like, needed over. help. Yeah, it'd be cute if that right. was happening. Yeah, it's right. cute. Um, but all of his excuses are for naught because Captain Peacock isn't in yet. Right? Mm, how, right. how mysterious. Um, we, get, so we get some interactions with two customers who have no relevance to the A story or the B story whatsoever. <laughs> I think they're just to remind us, oh, yeah, we are in a shop and we're supposed to be selling things at some time, right? Yeah. The, uh, the first customer is someone on the ladies' counter uh, that Miss Brahms manages to sell a mohair cardigan to. Um, this woman is, uh, this, this character, this customer is played by Pat Keen, mm-hmm. uh, and this is her only appearance on Are You Being Served? And I'm pretty sure her only appearance on a Lloyd and Croft show. So she's yeah. not part of that troupe. I love how Miss Brahms said, you know, it's all about Madam's aura. And I definitely saw Madam's aura as purple and white stripes. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then I love the whole like pick. You have to pick the mohair strands from the, oh, gross. Well, we see that we see that in Kath and Kim as well, right? There's one episode where um, I think it's right after her, her. I think it's in the beginning of season two, so mm-hmm. she hasn't found her libido yet after getting into the accident at her wedding, and so Kel is trying to ply her with compliments, like, "Oh, that's a really nice sweater," and she says, "Yeah, but it came with its own pill comb, so that it isn't a good sign." Like, that the <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, be, I remember right? that now. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Back over in Grace Brothers, Mrs. Slocum says that Miss Brahms doesn't upsell enough, right? She's got to try and push other things onto yeah, her. Yeah. And so she she gives a half-hearted attempt to sell some accessories, and the woman isn't taking it. So, like, that that bit ends kind of flat, right? Yeah, it was almost um, like 
we have some time. We got to do something. Let's have right. someone coming in and buy a shirt, you know. Right. And then we have this other like very interesting kind of character walk in on Mr. Humphreys, and that was sort of like what is going on? Like my brain was like, what's happening? Why is this going on? What is this <laughs> right. adding to the story? Well, this yeah. is well the, the the reason why this this character is brought in is probably because of the actor who um, who played him, right? Mm, yeah. So uh, in the store, a tram comes in to play his violin for money. The violin is out of tune; he can't play it that well, and Mister Humphreys dismisses him with a ten p piece, right? It turns out that the actor is Jack Haig, who is um, rather well known. He would have been recognized. Okay, cool. Um, if this was a show that gave applause breaks for guest actors, he would have gotten an applause break because he was recognized. And because he was an actor, they did not applaud. They applaud. didn't applaud him. Right. If he was like someone on the commercial, well, if he was, I don't know, a, a sports person, or right? Whatever exactly. they applaud, but not for actors, as we've previously mm-hmm. co- confirmed. So Jack Higg would go on to play Roger in Hello, Hello, one of the main characters. You know, the one in the Resistance who makes all the deliveries, wearing the disguises. But it's not really a disguise because oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can see that. Okay, same. I thought yeah. he looked familiar. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess those disguises don't work well, after they, all. they worked a little bit too well for me, I think. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, all right. That's so, kind of cool. I, I will say I really liked his, the charm of the character that he was playing. Mm-hmm. Um, how he just had that, that um, what's the, the Irish word, crack? The, 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 yeah. You know, just he like brought that, a little bit of crack. Yeah, not like crack cocaine or... C R A I C. Yes, that's yeah. exactly. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I think that we've got probably an early instance of a trope um, where someone tries to d- tries to get out of either giving someone money or like buying Girl Scout cookies because they don't have any cash. And then someone who you don't expect it says, well, I take American Express, right? That's developed into a trope that we've seen on comedies and movies time and time again. Yeah. But this is probably one of the earlier um, instances in all of worldwide comedy of, well, I take credit cards. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And it's, I mean, I'm obviously laughing about it right now, but um, yeah. yeah. So after these two people leave the store, Peacock still isn't in yet, right? <gasps> and so all of the staff gather around to gossip and figure out what's going There's on. There's nothing else going on in the store, of course. Right. Uh, Mrs. Slocum lets them know that she heard from Mrs. Hopkirk and personnel, who was a very close friend of the Peacocks, mind you, because they share the same milkman. <laughs> That's so cute. This, I love that. This, joke. Yeah, this is a great joke because it's so deadpan and it's so mundane, but it's layered. Because yeah. this is one of those things that ex- that exposes the classicism <laughs> of the show that they're constantly p- poking fun of. Yeah. Where if – because British people, uh, especially at this time in the early 80s, had the reputation of not being personable and close, that sharing the same milkman is enough to have be considered someone a close friend. Because that's how distant you have to keep your guard from yeah. everyone else. <laughs> right? So okay. um so it turns out that Captain and Mrs. Peacock haven't been getting it together for some time. Uh-huh. Um, and their marriage began to deteriorate during the last Christmas party. When hasn't it? Like the Christmas party is the beginning of the end of it's everything. De- it's, debac- right? it's debacles. You know, debaucherous yeah. evenings are, are set upon during Christmas parties at Grace Brothers. I want to go to a Christmas party at Grace Brothers. I want to go to Grace Brothers Christmas party because <laughs> everyone gets laid, first of all. Right? <laughs> Drunk um, and laid, yeah. Uh, 
Captain Peacock spilled some blancmange down Miss Pickthorn's cleavage and then went in to retrieve it. That's the gossip going around. Is it the chicken or the egg is what I'd like to know. Right. And Mr. Humphreys is confused because he had heard that Mr. Harrogate spilled semolina pudding on Miss Fawcett. This is the most X-rated version of Cluedo I think there ever is, right? (laughs) Um, interesting, Miss Fawcett. Of course, I think of Farrah Fawcett. I think of Farrah Fawcett. Would have right. been a big thing, yeah. Uh, Semolina pudding. Do we even know? Do we even have an equivalent of that in the states? I mean, I don't because I mean, semolina. I think of as a very hard, hearty, savory wheat mm. that's used for making bread or pasta. I mean, I guess it would be. I guess it would be similar to like a rice pudding. You know what I'm thinking? Because I'm from the South, y'all. And Mr. Kyle can can attest to that from last episode. Um, It's probably like we have something in the South, of course, cornbread. But some people make it so moist and they cook it in a casserole dish that it's almost like and and you can't add sugar to it. So I can see that becoming almost like a pudding. That actually sounds delicious. Is that what corn pone is? Oh God, I don't that, know. The cornbread that's not really quite set as bread, but like eat it as, eaten as a spoonable dessert. Oh, maybe so. Maybe yeah, it's kind yeah. of eggy and like there's some egg yolks in there. And, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Oh, so uh, or like maybe like a a grits that serve a dessert, like something of that consistency, maybe. Now we're getting into uncharted, very contentious. <laughs> um, some grits. Um, um, what's the thing in Italy that's literally grits, but you can't call it grits because they get offended. Polenta? Polenta. Oh, I'm no, I don't even want to go there. That's another podcast. We'll get hate mail. Do you want to hear a hot take from this Yankee? Oh, no. Do we have a choice? Go on. You carpetbagger. I've, I've only ever eaten instant grits. I've never had homemade grits. You're from, you're from the north. You're a Yankee. From, you're from Brooklyn. What do you expect? Come on. <laughs> Moving on, Jeff. My goodness. Um, so Captain Peacock finally arrives, and he gives the same three excuses that Spooner did. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like we've seen this exact exact bit with Lucas already, where yeah. he gave the excuses, Captain Peacock gave the excuses, Rumbold wasn't buying it, but Lucas backed him up. And I went back through our show notes, and I couldn't find I couldn't pick it up anywhere. I didn't know where it was. Well, you know, something to remember, because, you know, in, in 2021, we can go back and look at, you know, on YouTube or on BritBox, if you're a paying member, hopefully, please sponsor us. Um, you know, you can watch these episodes instantly. And, and oh, what was, what, did that, what was that joke in season two? And you can go look at it. 1981, people didn't have VCRs. I mean, extremely wealthy people did. But, you know, a joke that was told in 1973 and then in 1981, it wasn't in the ethos, not the ethos, but it wasn't in, like, the, the world. Cultural zeitgeist. Zeit, I was going to say zeitgeist, but I didn't want to sound pretentious. <laughs> um, I'll just leave that to you, Mr. I'll, Jeff. I'll do that. I'll throw that word out. <laughs> You're like the professor and I'm Gilligan of the episode. Oh, that really? Oh. Okay. We just... We just that does suit Gilligan. We just realized something very profound. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, but back then, like, you could recycle things because they yeah. wouldn't remember something from seven years prior. No. So you know, it's interesting how that could have um, crossed the the goalpost without people realizing it. You know. Yeah. 
So Captain Peacock gets on the phone and starts calling around for somewhere to stay, right? He's arrived with a valise. Uh, Mr. Spooner is putting it away. So he sends Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Grossman to go fiddle with the center display. Like, you know, mm. this gives, gives him a, a useless task to keep them occupied. Go, so go he doesn't, tidy your drawers. Yeah. They don't hear him on the phone, right? <laughs> he starts calling Matthew from the bridge club, who doesn't recognize him. So he begins to describe himself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's yeah. uh, about, about 50 years old, graying at the temples, etc. cetera. Uh, and we hear from, we learn from the other side of the conversation that uh, Matthew apparently has a case of Berry Berry and is moving to Cornwall next week, so he can't uh, host him. Um, so what these is Berry are, Berry? So Berry Berry is a vitamin B1 deficiency. Um, it's a disease that, that you know, was mostly eradicated, as Captain Peacock says, uh, in Britain by the 80s. Uh, it's usually something that is associated with malnutrition. Oh, so yeah. So he's moving to Cornwall because they have a lot of food there. I'm, Cornish pasties, perhaps. <laughs> the pasties, right? Yeah, because pasties are known for being rich in vitamin B one, right? What Maybe, what is that? Thiamine. Oh uh, yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not up on all mm. my lettered vitamins. Isn't that 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 um, uh, amazing um, uh, musical instrument that sounds like an electric saw? <laughs> thiamine, theremin. Theremin. Um, oh, never mind. I gotta say, I, I gotta say, I'm gonna take a slight detour here. We're gonna, we're changing hats here, not the show? one with the detour, Never. right? <laughs> um, I just started watching this British quiz show, which is called Only Connect. Are you familiar with um, it? Um, is it does it, is that the one that uh, Stephen Fry hosts? No, it is uh, Victoria Cor uh, Victoria Corin, uh, who mm. is the poker champion, and so it is this. It's 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 a pub quiz style show. Okay. Um, and it's really, really obscure topics, right? Oh, your favorite. So they give you like, you know, four things and you have to figure out what the connection is upon all of them. Oh, okay. That's they give cool. you three things and you have to figure out what the sequence is. And I've become obsessed with it. Like I've been watching episodes left and right over I the past I think everyone week. on the show can, can picture you just drooling as you're watching the yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. And it would In, be the kind excitement. It would be right up the alley of this show to do something about, you know, to say vitamin B1 and uh, an instrument that you don't touch when you play it and try and get them to make a connection between thiamine and theremin. And wh- the episode whatever. of anyway. Are You Being Served Season 8, Episode 6. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so Captain Peacock continues calling around. He calls someone named Philip that he met uh, with Mrs. Peacock on holiday. As soon as he began to describe himself, we hear the dial tone on the other end. Yeah. He then calls Auntie Hilda, who doesn't seem to recognize him, so he shouts down the phone, about four foot one, a yellow school cap and a brown satchel. Because that's what he would have looked like last time she saw him. When Auntie Hilda saw him. When he was like 10. Was so cute with Philip. He's like, you know, we we stayed in the hotel and we shared adjoining balconies. Don't you remember me? I'm going to come and stay at your house. (laughs) No, I don't. And he hangs up. Oh, poor Captain Peacock. Um, um. I'm curious why he didn't ask any of the staff members if he could stay with them, right? Because of his pride, I think. Well, I mean, in an emergency, you know, in in the episode of The Apartment where Mrs. Slocum was living on the fifth floor, he had no problem swallowing his pride in the emergency to stay there. Um, he already knows that, um, you know, who has a spare room and whatnot. Hmm. Well, it's also the, the idea of, you know, 
old. Of course, this is 1981, but it could have been in 1971. And remember, they're all very old-fashioned, making fun of, like, the old square types, right? So his character remind, think, makes me think of someone who, as referenced by Mrs. Slocum, he doesn't know how to iron his shirt. He doesn't know how right. to cook his own food. He barely right. knows that he has to go take a shower in the morning. Like, his wife <laughs> does everything for him. So right. maybe the idea is if I stay with someone else's home they would be able to cook for me and do my clothes because he's so yeah. helpless. Right? It's not just about it's not just about having a place to sleep. It's about having someone to take care of him. Yeah, because yeah, like a really in, good point. in the 50s, you know, like men I mean before that of course, but and not just the 50s, but you think of like the leave it to beaver like the husband doesn't know what the hell like how to fucking make toast. He doesn't right. know where the toaster is, you know? Like the wife just walks in and it's magically breakfast. So I think that maybe that wasn't in play, I don't know. Yeah, possibly. Interesting question. We cut down to the canteen, and the staff are discussing that Captain Peacock is still trying to find somewhere to stay. <laughs> and Mr. Spooner doesn't understand what the big deal is, because all he did was put his hands down a pair of bristles to get at the Lamar. Yeah, I thought we'd get to this, and I was trying to think of what the Cockney rhyming slang was, but I can't figure it out. Bristol cream? Bristol Brist- City. Oh, we talked about that before. Bristol yeah. City is the football team. Correct. Yeah, Bristol City means titty. Oh, Cockneys. Yeah. Love it. And Miss Brahms lets us know that it's not the first time that something like this has happened. And Mrs. Slocum asks her to clarify, and she said, he had a bit of nookie. And oh. Mrs. Slocum is appalled that she uses, you know, such foul language. <laughs> I thought this was a... Obviously, this couldn't have been an anachronism because it, you know, took place in 81. It's not like it's set in 1981. Uh, but I thought the word nookie was rather modern for them to have said in 1981. But it turns out that word's been around for quite a while. Hmm. Um, it's related. It comes from the Dutch word noiken, which is their word for fuck. <gasps> and it's been around since the Roaring Twenties slang. So if oh. you think about baloney, gams, cats meow, bees knees, swell, it was around that Humdinger, same era. Humdinger, Exactly. That same era of language. So it had been around for quite a while. It's surprising that someone like Miss Brahms, who's a little bit young and doesn't live every day like it's still 1960-whatever, like her colleagues Mm. do. Um, But, yeah, maybe it had a revival in Docklands. And, of course, what was the the 1990s or 2000s song by Weezer or somebody? The the Limp Biscuit song? I did it all for the nookie? (gasps) That's what it was. See, I was listening to, like, George Harrison and, (laughs) you know, Cat Stevens and um, Candy Statton back then when that music was popular. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's interesting. Mr. Harmon joins the staff to join in the gossip, and they're wondering who um, the other man could be, right? Because part of the rumor is that Mrs. Mrs. Peacock has taken up with another man to get revenge at... um, uh, Captain Peacock, what's sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. Mm-hmm. And he reveals that the um, the gentleman caller is Jug Ears. Oh. You know, he mimes it by putting two saucers next to his ears, his head. Um, they did dance cheek to cheek at the last Christmas party. <gasps> Again, this Christmas party, right? right there. But he also lets them know that Mrs. Peacock just started as Mr. Rumbold's new secretary. How human. So now Captain Peacock is going to be face to face with this every day. Oh, rubbing his right? nose in it. 
so bad. Mr. Rumpold brings Mrs. Peacock down to the canteen to introduce her. They already know who she is, right? Mm-hmm. And and so do we, right? Uh, yeah. So much like the two Darrens and the two Beckys that we talked about last week, uh, <laughs> there were two actresses that did play Mrs. Peacock, and this is Diana King. So this is the same Mrs. Peacock from the Oh, What a Tangled Web episode. It right. was Stephanie and Carl Scholten, right? <laughs> The other Diana, Diana Lambert, played Mrs. Peacock in 50 Years On, the Happy Birthday uh, 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 episode. Okay, yeah. And she's going to come back in season 10 for two episodes then. So we've got about, like, revolving Dianas, revolving Mrs. Peacocks, right? Sounds like a a good disco song, revolving Dianas. (laughs) Revolving revolving Dianas. Um, The staff all make up excuses to leave so they could give Peacock a moment alone. Mm -hmm. uh, And he starts to cry. He starts blowing his nose in that comedic sitcom way. So as the senior members of staff, Mrs. Slocum (laughs) and Mr. Humphreys make up excuses to stay behind. Oh, I still have a little bit of coffee left, right? And that's interesting you say that because I think that might be the first time it's been officially called to attention. That Mr. Humphreys now is the senior salesperson. I mean, okay, I know that um, there's Mr. Goldberg and this this other guy that whose name escapes me because he's so insignificant. Um, Grossman? Mr. Grossman, thank you. Um, yeah. yeah, I wonder if they're sort of like, okay, this Grossman character, you guys, don't get attached to him because we're going to get rid of him pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right. It's going to be Mr. Humphreys on out. <laughs> right. I, I think it's less about the position, but more about the length of time that he's known them. Right. Uh-oh. And he, okay. you know, he confi- he confides in them what is um, what's going on. And so he's a little hesitant at first. And, um, you know, Mr. Humphrey says, well, you know, we understand yeah. if you don't necessarily want to air your dirty laundry. And Mrs. Slocum, who's on eager the for the hand. gossip, says, on the other <laughs> hand, it always helps to have a private laundress. Right. Yes. Um, and so Captain Peacock says that the, that he didn't do it. He didn't put his hand down uh, What's-Her-Face's blouse to get the blo- the, blo- the, uh, the blamange. Easy for you. The blamange actually was um, from Miss Hurst, right? Miss Hurst from Novelty Candles had put some down his trousers in a playful mood. Um, if there's ever a department in Grace Brothers that I want to work at, it's fucking Novelty Candles. <laughs> um, did we ever describe why it's called Novelty Candles, or is it just the most ridiculous department name ever? It's in it in it itself, it's a joke. Well, this is before you had standalone stores like Yankee Candle or White Barn that sold specifically scented candles. Before, it would just be a department in a store, and they wouldn't have a range. They would have just white wax, either tapered candles or tea candles, whatever, right? So maybe the novelty candles are those ones that come in, like, decorative jars or things that are shaped like a cockerel or who knows. It's weird just the idea of, like, novelty candles makes me think um, it's almost like the first first or second episode of the series where – they were looking at the cheeky panties, the cheeky cheeky knickers, and it says, "If you can read this, you're too close." I did it right. my way. That's what I'm picturing are on the outside of the candles of the, oh, in colored like, wax, like it's like it's Spencer's gifts, like yeah. something, <clears throat> something like uh, pour some sugar on me, or oh like you know, drip twice if you're naughty, or I don't know. <laughs> um, we see so, we see someone bring a bottle of champagne into the executive dining room, and we're only to guess. That that's for Mr. Rumbold and Mrs. Peacock. Mm-hmm. Why don't you and I nip over to the executive dining room and see if we can get ourselves a little glass of yellow there? I'm going to try to get some of this blamange I keep hearing about, and we'll be <laughs> right back. 
Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. So, um, I had uh, Blue Monge. I, I had the lovely grayish tinted one, <laughs> which is the newest range in the Grace Brothers line of Blue Monge. Uh, what did you have, Mr. Jeffrey? Um, I had a bottle of that Astro Spumante British Railways champagne <laughs> that uh, Mr. Rumbold and Mrs. Peacock were sharing. And I actually had to chip in for it because, you know, the wine department was going to charge them. And they were out of the Japanese tinned champagne. So, right. you know. One must make allowances, Mr. Jeff. Tight-fisted old git. <laughs> um, so where were we? We cut over to Mr. old Mr. Grace's office. I can't get used to saying that. Old Mr. I Grace. Know. Uh, I miss him. I miss old young Mr. Grant. Mr. Grace. Uh, in old Mr. Grace's office, his secretary is in a tanning bed. <laughs> Mr. Brandon, have you ever gone tanning indoors? I don't do anything like tanning indoors. How dare you? Um, I pitch my woo in, pu- in a public Yeah, uh, um, behind a, um, a band shelter. No, uh, behind a... Bandstand. Bandstand, damn it. Um, no, I've never been tanning. Uh, I do try to walk on the shaded side of the street as one should. Uh, but no, I've not been tanning. And it's not good for you. You guys should not do it either. It's Yeah, it really isn't that good for you. But I am guilty of going every once in a while. I mean, I, the first time that I went... Um, I was a, I think I was a junior in high school and I was getting ready for prom. I wanted to look good, like healthy in prom pictures. And you wore and your so um, Abercrombie up. and Fitch baggy sh- uh, shorts with the, with the military belt, right? No, I did not. I didn't know that Abercrombie and Fitch existed in high school. It wasn't until I got to college that I found out that that store existed. And you literally threw all of your old clothes away and bought everything at the Abercrombie Fitch. No, that's not true. That's actually not true. Do you remember Um, those catalogs? I do remember those catalogs. Mm -hmm. Quite scandalous. Google people. um, The tanning bed, right? So um, pale skin uh, in most of the Northern Hemisphere used to be a sign of high social class. You didn't have to labor outdoors and you weren't going to get affected by the sun, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about... If you think about the Surat, paint, Surat painting um, Sunday on the Isle of Grand Jat, all those Victorian women with the huge parasols, right? Of course, technically their skin was made of literally millions of different color dots, but that aside... Right. But <laughs> yeah. in 1923, Coco Chanel returned from a holiday in Cannes with a tan Ooh. and declared that tan skin is the new chic and worldwide sensation among the upper crust to start tanning, right? There was also in the 20s a big, a lot of health kicks. Like mm-hmm. if you think about where the, that was when all those kind of health farms and like 
vacation the Kellogg spas camps started, and exactly stuff. right. Yeah, although yeah. you know that was you know the reason why Kellogg's um, cornflakes were invented, right? Wasn't it something anti-Semitic or something? Or it was another anti thing. It was anti-masturbation. Kellogg That's believed right. Kellogg believed that if you had a very varied diet, it would increase your libido. So in order to suppress people's libidos, he gave them a bland diet. And corn food flakes being one of the bland food, that, that's how he, he realized, oh, this is actually somewhat nutritious and is easy to serve for breakfast. And that's how it started. Waiter, uh, make that a second dosage of uh, a second helping of enchiladas. Thank you. <laughs> dosage. Um, I get doses dosage. of enchiladas, <laughs> not helpings. Dose of enchiladas. <laughs> um, so sun lamps were introduced in the late 1920s for the idea that, you know, vitamin D is good on the skin. Mm. And then the first sun beds were introduced in Berlin in 1977. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think about, I immediately think about, um, Season one episode of Ab Fab where she gets Eddie gets that isolation tank where he kind of floating isotank. in water. Yeah. The isotank, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh-huh. and how much it costs, whatever. How much do you think a sunbed, a personal sunbed, would cost today if you wanted to install one in your uh, living room? Well, I you know, I remember growing up, some people would have a sunny a, a tanning bed and like it was sort of the place where people like would go and work for the summer and get free tans and stuff. And mm. Um, so it was kind of popular. I, I don't know, like 10 grand. I mean, it seems like a luxury thing. So it is a luxury thing, but it's not quite that, that dear, uh, around $3,000, $4,000 today. You can get oh, wow. a tanning bed for that. Yeah. I don't know of the quality of it, but you can get one for that price. So, so. I just recently was reading men's health magazine. I know, right. For the fitness article. For the, for the. For the articles. <laughs> yeah. But it was actually, uh, no, seriously, there's a really interesting article about um, from 1995 to 2009, they did this study where they found that young men, like men under 45, um, have increased their skin cancer melanoma cases by like 56%. Oh. Yeah. So people are like running around and not wearing sunscreen and shirtless and whatever so you know skin cancer is not a fun thing to have so spf people spf but i also do you remember like maybe your family or you know stories of people going tanning with putting baby oil on their skin Mm -hmm. to like bake themselves yeah you know now they're paying the price for it because their skin looks like less less you know supple so i don't say yeah so Mr. P- uh, Captain Peacock <laughs> is there to see old Mr. Grace, uh, and the nurse bangs on the tanning bed. It turns out that he's in there with his secretary, um, and he's wearing an old-fashioned swimsuit, one that looks like a wrestling singlet, with mm-hmm. his combinations underneath. So he's just in there to play sardines with the secretary. He's not interested <laughs> in getting a tan or any vitamin D, right? Yeah. And yeah. Captain Peacock explains his conundrum to him that he doesn't want um, his wife working for Mr. Rumbold. And says, oh, uh, she can come work for me because this one is going off on a course. The new secretary is never given a name. And she's not even referred to as she, this one. He, like, oh my completely God. objectifies so her, right? Yeah, so nasty. Uh, Captain Peacock uh, withdraws his question. And then old Mr. Grace asks, do you fancy another 10 minutes on Regulo 10? <laughs> 
which is cute. And then he says, oh, oh, quick, before I go off the boil. <laughs> like he's a boiled egg. Right. <laughs> so cute. Yeah. I cute, also want to mention there. I also want to mention that um, um, old Mr. Grace. Yep. The acronym is OMG. I mean, <laughs> is there not more appropriate uh, name abbreviation than OMG for old Mr. Grace? Maybe we just I, call him OMG now. By looking at his makeup, yeah, that's what I have to say about that, <laughs> OMG. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mrs. Peacock and Mr. Rumbold are back in Rumbold's office, and it turns out they're just playing a ruse to get Peacock upset. Uh, Rumbold is going to go take the bottle of champagne back to the wine department, or else they're going to charge him. <laughs> yeah. Why would Mr. Rumbold agree to this ruse, right? He is so straight-laced and so by the book, I don't understand... He doesn't know Mrs. Peacock well enough. They don't share the same milkman. Why would he agree to this? <laughs> Jeff made a joke. Um, <laughs> because he's friends with Stephen and, uh, you know, he's doing it for the love. Because, you know, I think Mr. Rumbold's a softy at heart. Oh, that's true. Okay, because, yeah, we did, didn't we see how, um, you know, he paid, you know, he, he was very kind-hearted to Mr. Humphreys in the Punch and Judy episode. Yeah, and right? then, when, you know, um, the... the yeah. The, the Stephanie and Carl Schulten episode where, like, they kind of mend the pieces back. And may, oh, you, that's bri- true. may you sail through life's waters uh, guided by the same northern star or some lovely right. poetic little thing, right. you know. Right. Well, you know what? I, I just realized we're going to find out the reason why Mr. Rumbold agreed to this later on. Oh. But right now we're still to believe that um, she's doing it to get revenge because she's upset with, with Captain Peacock, right? Yeah. Out on the floor, um, Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Grossman are telling Captain Peacock that he should confront Mr. Rumble and his wife. And Mr. Grossman starts telling a proverb, and Mr. Spooner yawns. Now, do you think this was a character choice, or do you think they caught Mike Berry yawning on camera and just kept it in? Oh, I don't think he would yawn on camera. I mean, now that we're all on cameras for our day jobs every day... right. We've all probably yawned while closing our mouths. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've done it a couple times. Um, that's a good question, though. I've not thought about it. Yeah. Captain Peacock goes to confront uh, his wife and Rumbold, and she's locked the door. So he's trying to peek through the peephole, and she squirts ink through a fountain pen at him, right? Like she's Bugs Bunny or somebody. Like Exactly. Very, very <laughs> Bugs Bunny, right? Yeah. Um, Mr. Humphreys then produces a pen to use with, as a microphone uh, as a, to plant a bug that mm-hmm. his friend in the radio department gave him, right? We always know, we always know that Rumble pinches the pen when you give him something to sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so do you, do you have a word for that? What? I feel like there is a word for somebody who always keeps something that you're meant to borrow momentarily like a pen or a lighter. I feel like there's a slang term for that. And I can't think of what I that don't is. A patchy pilfera. Listeners, if you have any ideas, please call into the Peacock Hotline 662-PEACOCK with what you call someone who keeps something that you momentarily lend them. Ooh, I like uh, it. Anyway, so Mr. Humphreys brings in the pen, gives him some shit to sign, at chit, C-H-I-T, uh, to sign, and Rumble <laughs> keeps the pen. Seconds later, I have an Mr. idea. Hum- I have an idea. Yep. I think we cre- we christen the word now, and we'll see if it takes off. World, you heard it here first. The is it the verb or the noun of someone who does it? It's that, the that noun of someone who does 
something. Um, I think the word is rumbled. I think Ooh. we just do it. Right? Okay. Two, oh, he, you know, that Jeff, he rumbles all of my pins. And is the noun a rumbolder? A rum, no, a rumbled. Yeah, no, that I, I like it. Done. It's done. I like it. You're welcome, All world. Right. So seconds later, Mr. Harmon comes comes in to tell him to to ask Mr. Rumble to sign for some swatches of fabric that have to get uh, destroyed or taken out of inventory. Mm-hmm. Out of character, Rumble realizes that he's signing with Humphrey's pen and asks Mr. Harmon to return it to him, which he will the next time that he's on the floor. Right. Um. Mr. Humphreys comes back from the executive rooms, says he's planted the bug. They go to listen to the receiver, but the pen is in the packing department. Oh, dear. Warwick is setting up for a going away party. So we hear champagne cord- uh, corks open and pop. Oh, it must and be they kissing. they think it's a kiss, right? <laughs> it's a very amateurish, foley sound effect of kissing, right? Because kissing does not well, it's sound like It's like clearly that. the sound of... Uh champagne bottle you know it doesn't sound like kissing at all which is funny they then hear the tearing of cloth which they think is mr rumbled ripping off mr uh, mrs peacock's dress and he's (laughs) humming while he's doing it the cheek the nerve right what song is that again getting to know you getting to know you (laughs) uh we then go to the third prop to try and get um proof of what's going on humphreys gives peacock a instant camera Mm. right and we cut to the office and we see that Miss Peacock is just taking dictation. So mm-hmm. she leaves to powder her nose and Mr. Rumbold is alone in his office. Captain Peacock cannot climb out the window, right? He's got, all of a sudden, he's got a fear of heights, right? So he's yeah. got the rope around his waist and he's clung to a, a, a cornice on the outside, really hanging on for dear life. Mrs. Slocum says he's weak as water and she goes out and she's going to go. She'll just take care of it. Right. Totally in her character. We get this whole last five minutes of the show is them playing on the ledge and trying not to fall off this two foot wide ledge. Um, Did this visual remind you of anything else in television history? (gasps) I want to say there's another episode of already being served with the ledge, isn't there? Or is this it? Well, no, there's the one where they're up on the roof in the strike. The um, firemen and stuff, right? And, right, so there's that one. That's what I'm thinking roof. of. Right. Okay. But no, tell um, me. Visually, this looked very much like that episode of I Love Lucy where she meets Superman. Oh. Where um, she tries to get the actor who plays Superman to come to Little Ricky's birthday party. And somehow she ends out on the ledge and Superman like comes in and flies and saves her because he's... Um, you know, shooting a promotion on the roof <laughs> or something. I don't know, just the whole visual of them being out on the ledge. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a trope, right? I mean, you you yeah. see like, oh no, I'm gonna get scared, and but then yeah, yeah. it it was little. I mean, I I the moment I saw the ledge, I thought, how how much fun is this going to be? Yeah. And then of course you see Mrs. Slocum wanting to get to the men's room through the window because the other window got stuck and blah blah blah. I love how she said uh, she has to, like, cross over Captain Peacock, right? Which is, like, right. they're so close to each other. Oh, how, how uncouth. A gentleman would let a lady go on the inside. Right. Yeah. 
And then he says something like, uh, oh, she said, hold on to your gargoyles. I'm coming across you, which is cute. <laughs> well, you, you know what that refers to about a, letting a lady on the inside, right? Is it walking down the sidewalk? That's, yeah, that's exactly right. So old-fashioned etiquette, uh, when a gentleman and a lady are walking down the street together, the gentleman should always be on the side that's closest to the curb in case a, a car goes through a puddle and splashes water or mud. I will raise you that a little bit. So this okay. is even crazier. So I'm a history buff, so this is craziness. Okay. So um, if you take that a couple centuries prior... So you're walking down the sidewalk, and there's a gentleman and a lady. The lady always is in the on the side closest to the windows, not to the street, just like you said, right? Okay. One, because, you know, if there's a car coming, it will splash the man, not the woman. Well, if you go back a couple, two or three hundred years, this is, you know, 1500s, 1600s, maybe before, people would empty their uh, chamber pots and shit. Uh, out the literally. window, literally. Right. So they wanted to be as far out of the line of sight for the projectilic shit and piss. <laughs> um, so that is why another reason, which is just insane to think that that's what happened. But that they just threw it in the street. Yeah, yeah. because like the the street is like probably mud anyway. It was sort of just almost yeah. not as I guess it was almost like a sewer, which is kinda nasty. But yeah, yeah watch out for the uh potholes, people. Uh Mrs. Peacock uh looks out the window to see what the commotion is and sees Steven there hanging onto the ledge, thinking that he's going to jump, that he's so <gasps> distressed over uh-huh. her supposed affair that she admits the whole thing was a masquerade to try and save the marriage. Right. To get him jealous right. enough to do that. Right. And so she's, you know, exalting him and praising him and apologizing. And she says, do you still love me? And he spurts out angrily. What do you think I'm doing out here? You silly bitch. <laughs> so this is the this is, I think, the second time we've heard the word bitch used. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In the show. Like the last time was to Mrs. Kamlozi to um, Mrs. Slocum Turkish. for making her bring down the yeah the soap and the Turkish towels. Yeah. Um, but this is his wife that he's talking to. It's, it's a, I mean, it, for, for, for a show that, you know, throws out pussy jokes, you know, at least once an episode, although never in this one, mind you, it's ah, a little grating to hear Captain Peacock use that language. You know, well, I hear what you're saying, but I was just about to say that Frank Thornton's acting in this episode is – Really, kind of an interesting on the. Um, he on plays the, the damsel in distress really well. Well, yeah, I mean, he he really does have a he he, he brings a sense of of terror. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, it kind of makes me want to see him in like an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Just the way he, the, the, his voice uh, goes really high, and you know, that's going to kind of what Kyle was saying in the Punch and Judy episode last time. These actors are really great actors. You know, we're seeing a very small slice of what they can do. Of course, I think they would all probably say they're probably more comfortable in comedy. But, you know, like, there's not just one shade of acting. Like, you can also do drama and, like, being fearful and stuff. Which, for his character, like, you never see that in Captain Peacock. He's always very sober, very, you know, astute. Instead of un, out of control, like this in this episode. Yeah, so that's like kind of really, really fearful and really scared. Yeah. yeah. So they they note that the maintenance men have just gotten out of the pub and they can mm-hmm. come up and fix the window to let Captain Peacock in. 
And then he lets us know that the maintenance man have just gotten on the 47 bus. And so we get to the end credits. Now, of course, I could not let a transport reference go by without fact-checking it. Uh-oh. And it turns out that the 47 bus in London has never run anywhere near Marylebone. You're going to write a letter to your MP about that, aren't you? <laughs> uh, it was always in the east, right? So it ran from Catford in the southeast through Lewisham, Deptford, Surrey Keys, Bermondsey, London Bridge, Liverpool Street, and then Shoreditch. So I would accept a joke about Miss Brahms taking the 47 bus to the Metropolitan Line, but this, come on, fact checkers, do better. You know, I love that 40 years into the future, this little detail <laughs> is being, uh, you know, unearthed and, and processed. But we we appreciate your, your detail to um, attention to detail and um, going the... Nth degree, the nth of the nth degree for these for these details, Mr. Jeff. And we are unanimous. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much, unanimous. So that ends our episode. What do you think, Mr. Brandon? Um, the ledge is cute. Um, I like that we got to see Mrs. Slocum kind of like nosedive into the window. Yep. Um, that was kind of cute. Um, but not too much. We saw Mr. Grossman, and I forgot his name, so that speaks volumes. I think. Yep. Um. But, yeah, it was okay. Like, you know. Yeah. yeah. Definitely not one of the worst episodes out there. Um, But it's just, meh. It's still already being served. I still love it. I'm still very happy I saw it. Um, You know. But there's there's more stuff I'm looking forward to. Um, I don't know what's coming up next. What do we have on the docket? So next week is Front Page Story. And that's the one where Mr. Humphreys is the editor for the in-store magazine. And there's a beauty contest amongst the store's staff. Oh, that could be good. I don't really remember that one. I remember the plot about Mr. Humphreys being the editor for the magazine. And he resists wanting to do a gossip column at first. I think he wants to do hard news. I don't remember the other plot about the beauty contest. Hmm. Yeah. I imagine lots of um, old Mrs. Slocum jokes. But we'll have to tune in. Tune in next week. Tune in week. next week and find out. <laughs> Listeners, if you have any any in, uh, input at all about uh, what it's called when someone steals your pen or <laughs> anything we've said on today's episode, please, please get in touch with us on Facebook or on Twitter or write us an old-fashioned email at that does suit madam with an E at gmail.com or you can call the Peacock hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That's 662-732-2625. And if you don't live in the United States and you still want to maybe leave us a quick little cheeky voicemail, and maybe your name is Fleur Bennett, that would be so cool if you left us a voicemail, <laughs> you can use your iPhone uh, Android voice recorder and record a voicemail on your phone and then email it to that does suit madam with an E at gmail.com. That would be great. And with that unanimous, you've, you've all done, done very well. Bye. Bye. That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served as a copyrighted program of the BBC. Ledge walking is an extreme sport. Certain risks are inherent with this activity, including but not limited to vertigo, discomfort, or injuries arising from the rope snapping. Down, 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 down.